This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Uh, the other big story this week has been the Alberta government announcing their proposed framework for what marijuana legalization here in this province is going to look like. Now, the government's still undecided at this point on whether we will allow marijuana to be sold through private retailers, which would make the most sense. What they're going to try to establish, as Ontario is going to do, some kind of government-run retail system, which to me seems problematic. The other interesting factor in all of this was that the Alberta government's going to take a much more lenient approach when it comes to the issue of public consumption. Because they say, look, some people in condos and rental units, they're not going to be allowed to smoke at home. And we're probably not going to at least initially have marijuana lounges. So in order to accommodate people, we're going to allow for some public consumption. That'll be the same as tobacco. If you can't smoke a cigarette, you can't smoke a joint in the same place. But obviously, you can smoke in a lot of places in public. So is that the right approach? I wanted to find out a bit more about how Colorado has addressed this. Uh, So joining us on the line, very pleased to welcome the program, uh, Paul Seaborn, Assistant Professor of the Department of Management at the University of Denver. Dr. Seaborn, welcome to the program. Hi, nice to be here. Um, so this, this, to me, is an interesting aspect of this whole debate because if we're dealing with smoke, we've got the challenge of, well, secondhand smoke, and, and obviously we've got restrictions up here regarding smoking in bars and lounges and that sort of thing. So how did Colorado address this? I think uh, what you'll find is Colorado doesn't really offer uh, a ready-made solution to this issue. Colorado, like most other jurisdictions, did have plenty of restrictions on uh, smoking of tobacco, uh, at the university where I teach, we had a tobacco-free campus. Um, but when uh, marijuana was legalized, both initially medical and then uh, later recreational, uh, it remained, as, as most of your listeners would know, federally illegal uh, in, our, in our country. Yeah. And so uh, no provision was made whatsoever for public consumption. Uh, and so that would mean not only uh, can our residents not uh, legally smoke marijuana on a sidewalk or at a public park or other public uh, locations, uh, according to our regulations, even uh, you know, ingesting through an edible or you know, vaping, any of those other forms that have uh, emerged here, none of those are legal. And that's been the, the case since the recreational market started in 2014. That might seem problematic, and it is somewhat, but uh, but it, there were so many other issues that were higher on the agenda and the priority list that uh, that one was left uh, to, to be done in the future. Okay. And so we're just now starting to see uh, in the city of Denver, which is our biggest uh, market uh, pilot project for social consumption in a clearly defined, licensed, regulated uh, venue, more like the the lounge you were describing, but even still no provision for public consumption anywhere in our state. That's interesting because, yeah, I mean, you you got the parallel to to smoking, but there's also, I guess, the parallel to drinking because typically you can't really walk down the street. I I know here and I'm I'm assuming there you can't really walk down the street, you know, drinking a beer or, or wine or anything like that. No, and I think you know, Colorado is not Key West, and so we have those right. exact same rules around alcohol. One of the interesting, I think, factors here is a big surprise to people about the Colorado market was the popularity of 
non-smokable forms of marijuana. So these mm-hmm. would be all varieties of edibles. But when you think about the fact that public consumption is not allowed, it's, it's maybe not so surprising that uh, people here, both residents and tourists, have chosen those other forms. Uh, it's certainly not as uh, visible or noticeable if someone is uh, you know, eating a cookie or some other um, product that looks you know, a lot more like anyone else's product. And so I think that's been part of the the, the reality here is people found uh, ways that work um, that aren't disruptive, and but a lot of it has to do with moving to other forms rather than smoking. Right, and if those forms are available, it seems to me that, that it would be a lot easier to start to establish some kind of, of marijuana lounges. I realize, you know, secondhand smoke is potentially an issue for people who work in those places, but if they're edibles, for example, what, what would be the objection to some kind of a, a bar or lounge where you can go in and have a plate of marijuana edibles brought to your table? Well, I think that perspective is the only reason that Denver is moving towards some sort of uh, social option. But even still, I think there, there's been a, a basic goal from the beginning to keep, uh, let's say, alcohol and uh, and marijuana separate, both in terms of cultivation, sale, and consumption. And so even with this uh, proposal in Denver, no licensed alcohol premise would be allowed to also uh, allow marijuana consumption. So I think in our state, we're still moving very cautiously about any sort of uh, public or social uh, use. Uh, there was an effort in the spring legislature to try to clear that up at the state level, and it got bogged down on all sorts of issues around if you're in your backyard, which is visible to neighbors, if you're on a balcony of an apartment, which is visible to the public, what consumption would be allowed, one person with a certain quantity, or maybe three people gathering together in a different quantity. And there were so many parameters and, and and possibilities there that it just didn't get done this time around. So they may come back to that in another legislative section, but it's been a tough one to to get harmony on. Okay, so right now, what are the rules around someone going on their their deck in their backyard and, and smoking marijuana? So uh, it, would, it would be more in the, in, the, in the vein of a nuisance complaint from a neighbor, um, but the idea being that once you're visible to uh, to others that are in the public space, then you're, you're you're kind of impeding on their space. So marijuana should be consumed in a private location, you know, in, inside of a home or in a, another private venue, uh, and not in a public place. Interesting. Now, and I've read somewhere that there are a few. Are they hotels or are they special businesses that have been set up for for the you know the tourists who want to come to Colorado mm-hmm. for this express purpose? Are there places where they can use? Yes, you're exactly right. So uh, the tourist issue is probably one of the biggest uh, hurdles that we have with our our current structure here because we have uh, law-abiding citizens from other states or even from Canada coming here. They're over 21. They purchase uh, a product. Where can they consume it? And and most of the big chain hotels will have a pretty blanket rule uh, that prohibits it. But what you've seen in in response is uh, some butt and breakfast or marijuana-friendly uh smaller accommodation venues popping up. You know, if you looked on Airbnb in our state, you would see some listings that welcome and some that prohibit. Uh, And then we also have, especially in the city of Denver, some tour groups, right? They'll take you on a tour bus or maybe in a a limousine, you know, do a a tour. And, you know, those are all considered private venues where the owner of those facilities can decide the the process. We've even got to the point where we've defined um, possibilities of consumption in a taxi or uh, an Uber if the driver uh, allows, but it can only be in the back seat. So <laughs> again, it's, it's a whole new world here, and I think we're we have some uh, some insight to offer to to all the Canadian provinces, but we're certainly not uh, at the final stages of this particular show on public mm. consumption. Yeah, it's an interesting point, but I think it, it also underscores a different point that 
you know, it's not as though you need to decide all of the rules up front and that those never change, that there certainly can be and maybe should be some, some adjustment as we go along here. Yeah, as I say, the edibles popularity was a big surprise, and it uh, led to multiple rounds of revision on those regulations. So as a state, we now have pretty comprehensive and robust rules on labeling, quantity, um, potency. You know, someone purchasing an edible product in our state will have a very clear idea of what exactly they're purchasing, how to consume it. Uh, it took a little while to get there, and, and it was exactly what, what you described, some, some multiple rounds of regulation. I think that's something to consider as you look at different provinces and whether they're going to have government retail or uh, private retail, that's probably the biggest decision that your uh, your listeners will notice as, as day-to-day you know, residents in their province. The more that the government takes on that retail role, it's just one more uh, task on their on their yeah. list before next July, and, and a pretty sizable one. You know, these are big rollouts of uh, retail storefronts. You need to stock those and, and figure out what product mix to put on the shelves initially and ongoing. And uh, it's really the experience of purchasing in one of these stores is much more hands-on and much more educational involved than when when one of your listeners goes to the alcohol um, distributor closest to them. They kind of know what they want. They're familiar with the brands. It's a very much of a right. low-touch experience. Most people are completely overwhelmed when they walk into a dispensary that's more like a mini grocery store and, you know, whether they want to purchase a beverage or uh, dried format. You know, in our state, we have a lot of options, and it becomes a much more hands-on retail experience, at least initially. And so government can certainly take that on, and I think that gives them a control benefit, um, but it's a big task, and it's not an easy task. Yeah, no kidding. Well, some great insight, Paul. We'll leave it there uh, for now. Thanks so much for making some time for us here today, though. Appreciate this. No, as a, as a Canadian, it's interesting to, uh, to see what's rolling out in Canada here now. You know, I've lived in Colorado and seen this firsthand. I'm, I'm actually calling you from a, a conference looking at the impacts on marijuana. So no, no kidding. <laughs> it's very much an ongoing issue, but uh, but I think one where uh, for Canada may very soon in a lot of these areas. Yes, indeed. There you go. Illegal here. So, uh, so it'll be interesting to watch. Thanks very, very much. much so. Thanks again, Paul. Take care. Uh, Paul Seaborn, uh, assistant professor at the Department of Management, University of Denver, has done a lot of uh, research on the industry that's emerged in Colorado since legalization. Uh, and there you go. Coming to us uh, from a conference where they're talking about this even more. Uh, and, you know, at the point of, of retail, there was a call yesterday from Mad Canada for the government to go with the government-run store option. They put public safety before profit. And this was weird to me. So you had uh, the CEO of Mad Canada say that there are some marijuana stores in the U.S. that, for example, slash prices to mark the annual uh, April 20th, 420 counterculture celebration. So there's a lot of people who want to make money in this legalization of a lot of entrepreneurs, and they're not interested in public safety. And governments need to stand up and say, look, we'll proceed with caution. We'll make sure we're not losing a lot of young people, which is the greatest risk. So what is the issue we're trying to deal with? The possibility they're going to slash prices on marijuana? Well, you don't need a government store to address that, do you? Because the government can say, here's the price. Here's the minimum you can sell it for. Problem solved. Anything we're trying to address, the number of stores, hours of stores, the price of the product, the penalties for selling to minors, you name it. There's none of those things require a government store. All you need to do is establish the rules. When's the last time you saw a convenience store slash the price on cigarettes? Three for one cigarettes this Saturday only.
When's the last time you saw a store slash the price of lottery tickets? Or really even booze for that matter. So that's really a weird argument to me. Anyway, 403-974-8255. But what about the public consumption issue? Does it seem odd that we would allow people to smoke marijuana on a street corner? I, I get that there's some parallel with, uh, with cigarettes. But then again, I mean, if you can't drink alcohol in a certain location, does it make sense that you could smoke pot in that location? Now, maybe we need to loosen the things on the alcohol side. If you want to have some wine or a beer with a, a picnic in the park or something like that, it doesn't sound like a, uh, anything we should be too worried about. Anyway, so I, I think that'll become an interesting question, something we may have to adjust going forward. 974-TALK is our number. We are back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.